0: Thank you, Lake Point, for being more than just a, a bunch of people to get, a, get together on a Sunday. Thank you for being a family, because part of being part of the body of Christ is family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and love on each other. And uh, I just happened to have uh, kind of a crazy thing. We've had two grandsons born in eight days apart, and one of them was in North Carolina, and I was driving up Interstate 85, and he uh, you know, just pulled off the road and went up and saw Frank, and it wasn't just Frank, it was Suzanne and all the kids, because... Uh, you know, I know Landon and Logan and all these probably better than I do a lot of the folks, uh teenagers and young adults uh in the community. But it's just been great to walk with the with Lake Point through the plan of the church and then to see all the progress that y'all have made. What I want to ask you to do is take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. And uh guys, this is If there is a David Franklin favorite epistle that Paul wrote, this is my favorite epistle. And uh, just has so much to say. And Joe preached last Sunday. And Joe, thanks for that. And thanks for leaving me this incredible passage right here. And young people, all of you that are in Merge, what I want to do today is kind of follow up with Merge, with the whole idea of surrender and really kind of share with you some things. And we'll let the adults kind of listen in. But I want you to go home and ask your parents or just to see what they learned from today, okay? Just to make sure they're paying attention. And they may need some help, and you can kind of help them just understand some of the incredible truths that we're going to look at today. What I want to do is uh, just really start with a simple question, okay? Why Jesus? Why in the world Jesus? You can do anything in the world, but why Jesus? I mean, why not Muhammad? Why not Trump? Why not anybody else? Why Jesus? Now, guys, if you don't have that settled in your mind, why Jesus, then you'll miss it, okay? You'll absolutely miss kind of life's whole focus and everything. So I want to ask you to do something, okay? I want to ask you to take your phone out and Listen, I thought they were going to throw my phone number up on the screen, but here, here's, here's what we'll do. Take your phone out because I know you got one and just go to the notes page. It's got that little note thing there and just go to it and just put why Jesus and I want you to answer that question right now. I'm going to give you a minute, so don't write a dissertation. Why Jesus? Why in the world should you follow him? As opposed to following money or fame or something else. Why Jesus? So go ahead and write that down in that note section right now. Listen, if you're online with us, you go ahead and do the same. Just ask yourself, why Jesus? Why in the world should Jesus be the focus of my life? Or if some of your friends were asking you, why Jesus? What would you tell them? You see, why Jesus is the question that Paul answered for all the people in that whole community that we know as Colossians, Colossae. Why in the world Jesus? Because a lot of people were teaching all kind of weird and strange stuff. It's kind of like America today and the world today when there's so many different people who have so many different thoughts. So I want us just to kind of walk down through the scriptures in Colossians 115 and following just to answer the question, why Jesus? Why in the world should I give my life to Christ and serve Him all the days of my life? Watch what Paul says in verse fifteen. He Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, guys, you got to stop right there and just think for a second. What in the world does it mean to be the image of the invisible God? Let me, let me ask you: How many of y'all have ever seen God in person? Anybody? Well, what God did, and he knew that because we weren't living in the Garden of Eden anymore, he knew that we needed to see him clearly. And so he sent Jesus, and he says, in Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. That word there, image, is icon. Well, you know what it's like if uh, some of you, have been a long time since you've seen one of these things. But here's a quarter. Anybody remember who's on a quarter? George Washington, I mean, there's his image. But it's way more, Paul was talking here, way more about just the likeness of somebody, just to where you can see kind of an outline and recognize who it is. See, we were created in God's image, but that doesn't mean we're exactly the representation of God. But Jesus not only had the image of God physically as far as hands and eyes we read about the anthropomorphisms of god those human characteristics we we got those from god but it's the very character of god and the very nature of god so when it says he is the image of the invisible god there you have the absolute essence of who god is he's the firstborn of all creation now i know you were thinking wait i thought adam and eve were, were first well, the, the word there first in the Greek is the word that is of primary importance. It's a, like a military term for rank. So Jesus is the, of all the people that have ever come, he is the absolute primary rank. He's of most importance of all of creation. You see that relationship that he's got with God. Verse 16, it says, for by him all things were created. Now, guys, just pause for just a second. I want you to think about it. For by Jesus, all things were created. And then Paul kind of elaborates a little bit of things in heaven and earth and visible and invisible where the thrones or powers or rulers or authority. Let me just pause. Who came first, Jesus or angels? That, That was weak, okay? Who came first? Okay, who created angels? Yeah, everything that was created was created by Jesus. That's what it says. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, were the thrones or powers or rulers or authority. Now watch this. Well, let me just, let me just pause right there for just just to think for a moment, okay? Like our son is 864 thousand miles wide like they know there's this star out there I can't even pronounce the name of it that's a hundred million miles wide like if you were to go from earth all the way to the sun that would be halfway of how big this star is and it says that that Jesus created all things anybody ever stop to count the stars now, Landon, you're a smart guy, okay? But, but in, in this case, I would inter- encourage you to go see Beth Baker, okay? A mathematician. Do you know how many stars that they have actually know that they're out there? 10 to the 25th power. That did not make any sense to me, right? I can't comprehend that. That's why you got to go talk to some smart mathematician. But, but let me step it up just a little bit. They say that if you could count every grain of sand on every beach in the world, that's how many stars are out there. Not just in our galaxy, but universes. Who knows how far it goes? It says, and Jesus created all things. I can't even comprehend that. So how magnificent, how incredible is Jesus Christ it says he created even authority, all things were created by him, but notice what it says, Paul says next. Not only was it created by him, but it was created for him. That means every single star, every galaxy, every tree, every flower, every person, even you, was created by him. Why? For him. Guys, notice that the every person is created with an absolute reason. You know, the idea of waking up in the morning without a purpose, if you're a person that's serious about, about life, and you answer the question, why Jesus? i tell you why. Because Jesus created me, and he created me not just to exist for a little time, but to live, and I was created for him just like you were. It says, he is before all things. There's that place of importance. And in him, all things hold together. Guys, let let me just pause and chase a rabbit for a second, okay? All things hold together. Let me see if I can illustrate that. Told you we had a grandson born in North Carolina, had another one born in Tennessee, so I got to go see him Friday. and Friday afternoon, I was out with my oldest grandchild, Briley, she's seven and a half, and we were down at the creek. I've been pondering this passage about Jesus holding all things together. And I asked her this question, I said, hey, Briley, you ever wondered why that water flows down a creek like this, because we were kind of exploring the creek. She likes to go down there. So, so why does water flow like this? Why, why did not it just start floating up and just floating off into space? What's holding that rock? It's in Tennessee, a big rock, a bunch of big rocks. I said, what's holding those rocks there? Why don't they just, leave? she said, well, well, they weigh a bunch. I said, well, they wouldn't weigh anything in space. In space, they would just float off. And she said, well, pop's cause of gravity. I said, yeah, but what's gravity? Now, now, maybe y'all don't think about this, okay? But check what it says out right here. It says, he is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Who do you think is holding the universe and everything together right now? You know, we've got this rotation around the sun of the earth, and the earth is on its axis. If the earth moved off its axis even a slight bit, we, we would freeze to death or we would burn up if it just altered just a little bit. Because I mean, I stopped by to tell you why Jesus, because there's nobody like him, okay? I mean, you're talking about the the essence of what holds us together and makes it all work is Jesus Christ. So Paul's building this case for who Jesus is, and he's the image of the invisible God. He's this person that created all things, and he holds all things together, and then he says he's the head of the body, the church and let, let me just once again pause and say you can't make this stuff up. This shows you the importance of the church. He didn't say he's the one that wants to run America. No, no, he's way bigger than that. He's the guy that invented the church, created the church, and he's the head of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. Wait, wait a second, David. I thought Lazarus was raised. From the dead by Jesus, before Jesus was raised from the dead, he was. But once again, there's that rank and of most importance. He's the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, Jesus might have supremacy. But guys, now we're getting someplace, okay? Why in the world Jesus? That word there, supremacy, another way to translate that word is preeminence. That's a big word. But see, preeminence means not just somebody of some importance. He's not just somebody to be important. He's somebody to be, listen to this, preeminent. That means he has a place that nobody else has. If you want to know why Jesus, because he's preeminent, because the next little phrase says, because God chose to put the fullness of God into Jesus. So Young people, I said, okay, I got all of that to say, Now let me, let me tell you, this is what I wish somebody would have told me when I was your age. See, nobody told me that Jesus was supposed to be preeminent. I'm talking about he was supposed to be supreme. First, no competition. Let, let me see if I can say it like this. Jesus is the goat. Now, now, y'all know what that means, right? The greatest of all times, but that didn't even work. You know Why? Okay. Tom Brady, they say is the goat of pro quarterbacks. Why? Because he's better than every other quarterback that's ever played, right? But you don't understand. There's nobody like Jesus because nobody has ever been the guy that created all things and had the fullness of God dwell in him. See, we're not talking about somebody who's human. This is what really blows my mind about all the major religions in the world of Muhammad, I mean, Islam with Muhammad, Hinduism with Buddha, and all these people. It's like, okay, you're comparing apples to oranges. It's not even the same. We're talking about this is Jesus Christ, the one who created all things. And when he spoke, all he did was speak, and the world came into being. Maybe I should do this, okay? Let's think superheroes. If you were to take Superman and Batman and Robin and the Incredible Hulk and Flash, Gordon, and all of them put them together, can any of them all together say they spoke and the worlds came into being? Uh Uh-uh. No. I mean, guys, what we're talking about is a different kind of person. Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, created all things, created you. And so Paul's building this up, and it says, in him, he's to have preeminence in your life. So why Jesus? Why should I follow Jesus and do whatever he says and do exactly what he says all the days of my life? Because I'm telling you, there's nobody that can do and has done what Jesus Christ has done. Now, let me just pause right there, okay? Now, in some churches, they would go, amen. In other churches, they'd be like, oh, wow, But I want you to let that seek in for a moment. There is nobody, nobody, please hear me, nobody that can say, you know what? I created the church, and I'm the head of it. I created every angel. I created everything, all the stars and the moons. I created you. I created your eye, and it works so incredibly. All of that has been done by Jesus Christ because God chose to put the fullness of him. But listen, that's right up here in your head. I want you to see the next little passage right here just to make sure that you catch this. Verse 19, it says, for God was pleased to have all of God's fullness dwell in him. Nobody's ever made that claim before. Nobody's ever had that truth. But verse 20, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Guys, we've gone from the head. Now we're talking about God's Paul speaking to the heart. And I, he doesn't think the Colossians caught this. So he reiterates it in verse 21. He explains what he just said. He explains verse 20. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. To present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Let me see if I can explain that. This word reconcile and reconciliation is one of the five huge words used in the New Testament to talk about salvation. But here is it is in a nutshell. God created you. I know, Logan, sometimes you look at land and you say, Seriously, God? that's right patty but the answer is absolutely yes god created every one of us and he created us for a relationship with him but that term reconciliation talks about two entities that are now estranged from each other we see this a lot with marriage counseling you, know, you got a husband and you got a wife and they come to see you and they're estranged from one another in this case, in a husband and wife, there's always one who's 100% right and one who's 100% wrong. True or false? False. You never have a husband who's 100% right or a wife that's 100% right. Both of them have contrib- contributed to the estrangement. But in this case, God being perfect and having created you, when he talks about reconciliation, it's not God that walked away. It's not God that sinned or broke relationship. It's all on us. I mean, it's all on us. Verse 20, it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. How how many of y'all have ever thought of yourself as an enemy to God? But that's what the scripture says. You know, an enemy has ill will against somebody. And that's what we see in our evil behavior, in our heart, in our mind. What we really are saying is, God, you don't deserve to be God. I deserve to be God. And we shake our fist at God to say, what right do you have to tell me what to do? And in the midst of all of that, in our condition, being way away from God and being enemies to God, God loved us with an everlasting love, and he sent Jesus Christ to do something To make it to where these two entities, God and us, could be reconciled, could be made right with each other. All right, so here's the test What did God do to make it to where we could come back with God? It says it right there in the scripture He sent Jesus Christ, and what did He do? He died on a cross. And he shed his blood and it was through his blood that the payment, for this, the, the payment for sin, the penalty of sin was paid for so that now we could be reconciled to God. We could be made right with him. Ask Superman if he could do that. Or get Superman to get all of his superhero buddies and see can they do that. And the answer is absolutely not. Young people, let me, let me, this past week, I celebrated my 47th birthday. What are y'all snickering at? I don't look 47. <laughs> I feel like I'm 50. No, it was the 47th spiritual birthday because way back, a long time ago in another century, on a Saturday night right after Easter, I'm laying in my bed, my brother's in the top bunk, and I can't go to sleep. Everybody, I can hear my dad snoring, and he can snore louder than any human that's I've ever heard. And I'm thinking, God, I should have gotten to sleep before he started snoring. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life that I can remember, all of a sudden, it just dawned on me that I knew that I was a sinner and I was not right with God, and that if I died right then, I'd bust hell wide open. I had never had that thought before. I grew up in a strong Christian home. I guarantee you, somebody had told me that, but the Holy Spirit had never moved on my heart. And all of a sudden, I knew that I was lost, and I knew that I deserved death and hell. I knew that I was, I knew it. I've been to Bible school, all sorts of stuff. So what did I do? I, I just... I thought, oh, my gosh, i got to get this right. I slipped on my bed, got on my knees, and prayed and asked God to forgive me of my sins, and I repented, and I walked away from sin and self. I was like, this is terrible. And, guys, I'm telling you, in that moment, I mean, I knew that Jesus, his shed blood. See, we've just gotten through with Easter. I guarantee you, that's what the sermons have been about, about the cross. And I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt Jesus would handle it. And I got saved and crawled back into bed and slept like a baby. Slept like a baby. The next morning, I didn't run and tell my parents because my dad was in there snoring. So the next morning, I just walked down the aisle of the church because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Because I'm telling you, life has not been the same since. But let me tell you what the church forgot to do with me. When I Standing there and made it public that I'd gotten saved. Everybody came and hugged my neck. And I had all these makeup where people were, older women that were friends of my mother and stuff. They'd cry and I had makeup all over me. But I remember I just, as they walked off, I'm standing there thinking, okay, what now? And nobody helped me really understand what Paul understood, okay? You've got Jesus, this incredible creator, the power to just speak, and the world's coming to being. And now you've got Jesus who died on the cross and shed his blood and all of that. Man, the ultimate love letter was written on Calvary when he says, I love you this much. Now, that Jesus is not just to be the Savior. He's to be the Lord, now let me say that again. Young people, make sure you hear this because nobody told me this when I was like 13, 14, okay? Watch this. When Jesus walked the face of the earth with his disciples, the number one term they used to call Jesus was rabbi or teacher. But after his death and resurrection, you never hear him being called teacher again. You know what the term is? Look in Colossians 1.3. It says, we always thank God, the Father, what? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, that, that's where we're talking about this incredible idea of surrender. It's what they've been talking with you all about this weekend at Merge. I'm telling you, the reason that I surrender my life to Christ is not just because, oh yeah, he's got all the power in the world. He's got way more power than in the world. He is the guy that not only has the power, but he loved me so much that he died for me and paid the penalty of my sins so I could be reconciled, be made right with God. And when that happened, all of a sudden I realized that Jesus I'm going to live for and love the rest of my life. So I shifted from Jesus as Savior to now Jesus as Lord. It's the one who has ownership, rulership, authority in my life. One last thing, and I'm going to, Just kind of land this plane. There's one more thing that if I don't bring up, you'll miss this thing because, Frank, with with what you and your family have been through, if you were just left with knowing Jesus had all the power in the world and that Jesus had saved you and made you right with God, you still wouldn't be able to walk daily. Now watch this. Paul continues. I'm going to pick up in verse 24. It says, now I rejoice. I rejoice. And what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, Jesus suffered so that the church could be birthed, so that you could be saved and the church could be birthed. He said, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness and the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. Now, now, guys, how many of y'all like a mystery? Young people, I want to make sure you catch this, okay? This is the ultimate mystery. Way back in the Old Testament, Moses, Noah, King David that killed Goliath, all of these guys that did this incredible stuff, Samson, they didn't understand the mystery that I do and that you have the opportunity to understand. What is this incredible mystery? The mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but watch this, but is now disclosed to the saints, What is it that we know on this side of the resurrection that they didn't know on that side of the resurrection? Guys, I'm telling you, if you want to know what the abundant life is that Jesus wanted you to have, it's the mystery. It's this incredible moment. Watch this. Verse 27, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles his glorious riches of this mystery. Now, to the Gentiles, that's us. What is this glorious riches, which is, what does it say right there? Which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So watch this, guys. When when a person gets saved, this is weird stuff right now, okay? Matter of fact, this is the weirdest stuff, but if you're gonna ask her the question, why Jesus? It's not just because he's this incredible God that created everything and has power and created me and and not just that he died on the cross to make it sure to where I could be right with God and I won't spend eternity in hell but but it's this Christ in you when you become a Christian Jesus says this in John 14 he says my father we will come and make our abode our home within you Corinthians it says we're the temple of the living God y'all you're talking about something weird and Logan, I want you to th- you got to admit, this is weird. Christ Jesus lives inside of me. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about that's like some kind of strange thing that you see on some science fiction thing about somebody coming and living inside of you. But to those of us who have experienced it, the most normal, natural thing in the world is once we get saved, Christ comes and lives inside of us. So that, now watch this, so that, Frank. You've experienced it so that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you've got strength, not of your own, but of Christ inside of you. And you're part of this body that gives you comfort and encourages one another. Guys, I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing that I see missing right now in the body of Christ, because people run around, pandemic and all this social unrest, there's this... I mean, I see it all the time. People wringing their hands. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm telling you, there's love and joy and peace and kindness and patience inside of me because the very person of Christ lives inside of me. And so here's what I got to do every day. Young people, catch this, okay? I get up every day and I say, okay, I surrender Jesus to you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're the one who created me. You're the one who loved me and I'm going to love you today. And I want to die to self and surrender to self. I want to deny self, take a cross and follow you every single day and let you live not just in me and through me so that the whole world will know what Paul says he existed for so that the whole world would know that Jesus Christ really is real. So it's not just the power of God, of Jesus. It's not just what Jesus has done. It's what Jesus is doing is living inside of us. And guys, I'm going to tell you, you can tell the people that understand this, this past year, you can see it in their eyes. Do they smile? Because if you've got Jesus living inside of you, it's the hope Man, I live with this. I'm I'm a prisoner of hope. I live with this hope that I know that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, I'm good. They can take everything away from me, including my guns. They can take everything. But they can't take Christ out of inside of me. And here's what I know. You know why Jesus is way better than Superman? I don't want Superman living right here. He can't. But Jesus does. And I'm telling you, that's... The gospel in a nutshell. That's why Jesus is preeminent. That's why he's supreme. That's why I call him Lord and not just Savior. It's Christ in me. It's the hope of glory. I want to ask you to bow your head right now. Here's what I know. At some point... While I was talking, the Holy Spirit spoke to every single person in the room, whether you're lost or safe, and online. Jesus is so powerful, he can, he can speak online. It's really, really awesome when God himself and Jesus speaks to you. But what you do next, that's the most important thing. So, so here's what I want you to do. You've got your phone right there. I want you to look at those things. Preeminent. I mean, he he was the guy who, prescriptive, I didn't even say it quite right. There was a prescription that we had that Jesus Christ, the doctor of the universe says there's only one way you could be made right with God, and the prescription is me, And, and we had to take it. But now the placement of Jesus is inside of us. Which one of those three areas did God speak to you about? Did Jesus Christ speak to you about and it's not just enough to hear him, but you've got to respond. It's not just enough to be a hearer of the word, but you've got to respond. So what is it today in your life that Jesus wants you to respond to? Maybe you didn't understand the preeminence of Jesus, the incredible awesomeness of who Jesus really is maybe you weren't sure that your Jesus could solve whatever problem you're facing but after hearing about who Jesus was and what he created maybe that encouraged you to trust him maybe the part about reconciliation and he was the only way you could be made right with God maybe you're here today and you're lost and you're online and you're lost and you need to get saved Now's the time to do it. That last place about Jesus Christ, once you get saved, lives inside of you. You know, guys, if you've got so much clutter inside your heart, it's hard for Jesus to occupy all of it. Maybe what these teenagers have been exposed to this weekend about surrender. Maybe you just need to deny self and take up a cross and Say, I'm yours, Jesus. Here I am. Maybe the Spirit spoke to you that every day you need to get up and cultivate Christ living in you and learning who He is.